It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 63. On today's episode, we talk about the controversial missing Zion hiker and being stranded at sea in Panamanian paradise. Grab your life jackets and let's start paddling. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. G'day, 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 Voyagers, episode 63 of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Christine. And we're back for another episode, and we're late again this week. Yes, we are. Sorry, guys. There's just so much going on in our lives right now. I know. I really don't know what our posting schedule is. It was Monday, <laughs> then it was Thursday. Uh, we do try for Monday, but these days it's kind of like Tuesday or Wednesday. It's a grab bag. You kind of never know what you're going to get. It's a box of chocolates. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we talk about when things go wrong on the road. Sometimes things go wrong with the podcasting. That's true. Or we just have other stuff we have to do before we make this lovely podcast. Yes. No, one of the main reasons that we are late this week is because we were actually prepared. We were 100% ready to record on Sunday. We were going to do it. And then we were very hungover because we celebrated on Saturday. (laughs) Yes. And we celebrated because the election. Hallelujah, you guys. Hallelujah. Okay. We're not getting too political over here. But Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah (laughs) for, at least for us. Yeah. Uh, To commiserations to those that didn't win. Um, (laughs) But to those that did, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And yesterday, well, last night, we were celebrating our one-year wedding anniversary. That is very true. We were going to record the podcast yesterday, and then we thought, to hell with it. It is our anniversary. We treated ourselves by doing our favorite thing, which is uh, cooking up delicious Mexican food in, I guess, in memory of our Mexican wedding. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't even put that together until you just said that. Really? I thought that was the whole reason we cooked Mexican food last night. I, I just like Mexican food. I mean, we love Mexican food, but that's why I decided to. Oh, you didn't tell me that. But oh, that I thought makes it was sense. a given. <laughs> okay. Well, it was awesome. We stayed in and cooked tacos and then watched Wedding Crashers. And it was, you know, it wasn't the excitement of our wedding, which was a destination wedding in Mexico. But it was nice to uh, remember. Yes. And if you want to remember with us, I know you, some of you, well, most of you weren't there. But episode <laughs> eight, I think is called, I think it's episode eight. It's called Disasters at Our Destination Wedding. And we talk about our wedding in Mexico last year and some of the things that happened and some of the crazy stories from that. So you should go and check out that episode. I actually want to go back and listen to that. We, well, let's do it. Okay. We okay. Will. All right. But for now, we've got episode 63. I've got a couple in the newses and I've got a great Voyager chat today. Today, that's been submitted by Laura, and I can't remember her last name, Laura <laughs> Baker. Laura Baker. Laura Baker. So I'm starting with an In the News, and then you've got one, don't you? Yes, I do. As promised from uh, last week, the Zion story. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, my In the News today is called, uh, well, I've got two, and they're both around Yellowstone National Park because it's back in the news again. It's in the news. It's in the news. It's always in the news. Yellowstone is always in the news. Yellowstone is such a diva. She's always got some drama going on. As you can probably expect, <laughs> okay, without even guessing, what do you think the issues are? You're not, Christine's not looking at my notes. I'm not what looking. do you think the issues are around? There's two issues. Did someone fall in a thermal pool? Okay, thermal pool is one issue. Okay. And oh, what? oh, bison? Bison. Oh, it's always the freaking bison. It's always the bison and the hot springs. <laughs> yes, okay. At least it's on brand. Definitely on brand. Okay, here's the first one. It's called Stampede. 
speed. Ooh, I bought I a it. lot of ease. <laughs> so this is the other week. A group of tourists, it's a quick one. A group of tourists caused a bison stampede at Yellowstone. Gosh, of course they Once did. again, people were getting way too close to wild fucking animals. I don't understand what people don't understand. There's so much signage. There's so much education. There's so many stories about don't get close to bison. Yes. And people still do it. <laughs> they still do it. And we've talked about it many times on these We've talked about podcasts. it many times. I'm telling you, if any Voyager ever goes to Yellowstone and gets himself in trouble, it's on you. They look like big, fluffy kind of teddy bears, but they can run so fast and jump so high that they will they will they will get you. They will get you. Okay, so once again, right, people are getting too close and they lash out and this bison, I've got a I've got a little YouTube video of it. It's pretty short. Um, they didn't really capture too much of it, but you can see that these people mm. are on the bank of a river and they're crowding around, and the bison are just like, just hightailing it. And they're pretty quick. Look at him here moving towards, oh, and then, uh, uh, uh. and then people are like, oh, we better get out of here. And this guy here is just like hanging out. He's probably huh? about 15 yards away from these bison, and they move quick. Yes, very quickly. And if they trampled you, you would be dead. Yes. Oh, yeah, if they smashed you and flipped you up in the air. Mm. Uh, one observer said that she saw a group close to the bison just before they kicked off. And she said the people saw them and started walking closer and closer towards the bison. <gasps> no. Then the bison kept getting more agitated by the minute the further they walked down. Out of my sight, but I could hear them grunting and blowing. I guess they were like, <laughs> and then they started charging the people. Wow. Man, this is why we can't have nice things because we can't just leave the bison alone. We, we always have to get closer and closer. At least 25 yards, people. I think that people go to places like Yellowstone, which is so touristy and there's so many tourists there and, and people, cars and everything. And they think like, oh, it's basically just like a Disneyland. Like I a can theme do park. whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, these look like very slow lumbering animals that would not hurt me. And they get closer and closer and want to get the photos and then boom. Yes, I think that that is the best uh, way to describe it. People think of it like a theme park. Mm -hmm. They think that these bison are part of the attraction and the ride. Exactly. And then they're like, oh, I want to get I want to get the best photo. I want to get the best view of these bison. And then, uh-oh. Exactly. Okay, you ready for my second story? Oh, yeah. It's called I Feel Like Chicken Tonight. Chicken Tonight. Okay, you may have seen this one where's in the, the news. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Well, where's the bison? <laughs> so this one is called I Feel Like Chicken Tonight. Three men have been temporarily banned from Yellowstone National Park for brrr, trying to cook a chicken in one of the hot springs. <laughs> okay, wait a second. I need way more information. Three men? Three men have been temporarily banned oh, wow. because they were trying to cook a chicken in oh, one of the geysers, no. which is also a fancy name for a hot spring. Oh, they were trying to do like an Instapot situation? Yeah. So this incident dates back to August 7th when a ranger reportedly saw a few guys hiking with cooking pots and they were hiking towards oh Shoshane Geyser Basin. And the ranger tracked them down and found that the guys had two whole chickens in these canvas bags, like I guess like cooking type bags, and they had the bags inside the hot springs. Oh. And when he asked them, he's like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, my God. They said... Making dinner. Wow. I mean, they were hungry. I get it. Like, sometimes you just have a craving for chicken. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. So they really thought they'd be able to cook the chicken in the hot spring. I mean, or this is a prank or something. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think they really, like, were trying to attempt to do it. Because those waters get up to, like, I think it was like 170 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. So they're, they're pretty hot. Yeah, I mean, you would definitely be able to cook it. Oh, 100%. But you can't go near a hot spring, bro. 
It is extremely hot. If you fall in, you will die. And it's also very dangerous because the thermal pools, they have like the uh, the edges of them are very thin and, mm-hmm. and they can crack. So if you try to get up close to it, what you don't realize is that the little it's a shelf. It's not like a shore. It's not like very hard. So you can like step on it and crack and fall into the water. Mm-hmm. And people all the time get scolded. They get third degree burns. Oh it's yeah, it's intense. It's extremely hot. People have died. I mean, we've talked yes, about we've yes. talked about this yes, on the podcast. Yeah. Like people have fallen into those geysers and died. Oh, horrific! Ugh, like literally uh, melted. Literally melted. Okay, so now this is not where it ends, okay? They didn't just get a slap on the wrist and a ban, which ended up being a two-year ban. They actually got hit with fines and jail time. Good. We need to teach a lesson because this people are just getting away with this crap. This is this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, so two of the guys, uh, I guess they're brothers, Eric or cousins, I don't know. Eric and Dallas Roberts. Their names are public, so I'm 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 going to share them. Roll with I'm, it. Roll with it. So two of the guys, Eric and Dallas Roberts, had to spend two days in jail and pay five hundred and forty dollars in fines and fees. And the other guy, Eric Rom Romriel, avoided jail but racked up twelve hundred and fifty dollars in fines and fees. Hmm. I wonder how that works. He chose the fees over jail time, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Because you know, some, we've talked about this as well. How sometimes they off they say like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or ten days in jail. And yeah. we're like, does that mean every day costs twenty five thousand dollars? Or yeah. like, how does it work? How does that work? What's the exchange rate? What's there? the exchange rate? Because you know, as long as it's not on your record, they do a couple of days in jail to save some money. It probably would be on your record. That's true. Yeah. So in anyway, jail for cooking chickens in a geyser. Yeah. Wow. Good what story, but freaking idiot. What an idiot. Stupid, stupid idiots. I can't believe all there were three men that thought this was a good idea. Yeah, they all said they asked them whose idea was it, and they said, Yeah, look, it was they all took responsibility. They said it was their idea. And I guess they really didn't see the issue with it. But it's pretty it's pretty well known. It's pretty the signage is pretty apparent in Yellowstone. Like, don't go near the geysers. You're not allowed to throw anything into them. Yeah, um, remember that was an issue as well. People would throw like rocks into them. Yeah, and stuff. I can see why that would be appealing, but I yeah. wouldn't do it. But it'd be kind of interesting to see something like melt into it. Oh yeah, you're not supposed to bring any food on the boardwalk. You're not supposed to leave the boardwalk, throw anything into it. So they literally brought food into the area, left the boardwalk, and then put the food into the geyser and tried to cook it. So yeah, they broke all the rules. They broke all the rules, and I feel like at that stage you kind of get what you're given. Yes, and that's really not that bad. Two days in jail and like five hundred bucks, like that's not that bad. Yeah, but then I guess you have that on your permanent record as being, you know, permanent record. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Wow. Well, people just keep messing up at Yellowstone, and as they continue to do that, we will continue to podcast about it. Yes. So uh, (laughs) thank you for you know thank you for providing thank you for providing endless stories about Yellowstone, and uh, now from one national park to another. Mm, yes. Okay. So this is my story I teased last week, but I teased it. So here we go. So this is about uh, Zion National Park, which is in Utah. And we went there a couple of years ago. Southern Utah. Yeah. Very beautiful, very popular park. You know, the tons of hiking trails. Very, very common to go there. Yes. Very common. Very common. So on October 18th, Holly, a woman named Holly Courtier, uh, she's a 38 year old California mom. She was found in Zion National Park after she had gotten lost for 12 days. 12 days. 12 days. Okay. And yeah, so that's a long time. Yes. So usually the internet loves a coming home story. Somebody's lost and found. They love that shit. They do. They eat it up. They really do. They eat it up with a spoon. Nom, 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 
nom, nom, nom, nom. But there's actually a ton of backlash and controversy getting kicked around the internet about this situation. Okay, so why? Let's why? chat about it. Okay, so, let's dish. Apparently, Can we dish? let's dish. Okay, okay, so let me tell you. Apparently, Holly and her daughter had visited Zion together in September. Okay. Okay. So, so she was. She knew the lay of the land. She knew the lay of the land. She had recently lost her job as a nanny, and she was traveling around the states in a camper van. Okay. She's a bit of a hippie. She's a bit of a hippie. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's definitely a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> According to her younger sister, she was a free spirit. She like fasted a lot. You know, like not eating. Yeah. Like okay. very spiritual. Uh, she had dreadlocks. I don't know. If she. I don't think she, she do had dreadlocks. yoga. Um, probably. Probably. Yeah, probably. So after that first Zion trip, Holly went back to her home in California for a few weeks. And then in early October, she left her house in the middle of the night, leaving her phone behind and not telling anyone she was leaving. Well, that's a bizarre thing to do, isn't it? It's a bit of a weird thing. It's quite a bizarre thing to do. So her sister has said that she basically explains it that she was having a mental breakdown okay. and that she really just wanted to be alone, which okay. yeah, I get enough. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you, girl. I, yeah. Sometimes I just want to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Sometimes Christine just leaves the house for 12 days at a time and leaves her phone behind and she, she always comes back though. I would love to leave my house for 12 days <laughs> and leave my phone behind. That would be great. So and me? You can come with me. Okay, thanks, You mate. come wherever I go. Thanks, man. <laughs> So Holly arrived to Zion on October 6th. Okay. Uh, she took a shuttle to the grotto area. Do you remember that area? Mm, not sounds really. Are, sounds, sounds familiar. familiar. I feel like a lot of places have a grotto. Grottos are very big. They're, they're in. They're in. Grottos, grottos are making a comeback. Back. Grotto 2020, baby. If you don't have a grotto, baby. <laughs> you got to get a grotto, baby. You got to get on it. <laughs> get that grotto. So she got to the that grotto. sounds like a song. Get that grotto. Get that grotto. Uh-uh. <laughs> get that grotto. <laughs> oh, God. Your Cardi B song. Uh, let's let her know about it. Okay. Maybe she'll make it a hit. Okay. So around 1.30 p.m., she gets to the grotto area. And that's the last anyone saw of her for two weeks. Wow, that's a long time. It's a long time. Well, it gets even crazier. So apparently she went on a big hike that first day, which made her pretty weak and tired. Did she have equipment? Like, did she have camping equipment? She had a hammock. Yep. Which she, like, put up. Tied up, you know. Uh, And then apparently she set up her hammock and she sat down on it. And then she swung backwards, hitting her head on the tree behind her. And that disoriented her. Okay. Okay. For 12 days. For 12 days. So so she's near this water. The only water source near her is the Virgin River. Mm-hmm. But the algae in the river actually makes it toxic to drink. Okay, yeah. Because of algae blooms. You should have a lobster. Oh, yeah. I, that would work for algae blooms, right? I guess so, yeah. Bacteria, things like I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So apparently to stay, you know, without being super thirsty, she stayed near the river, but she only put the water in her mouth, swished it around, and spit it out because she knew it was toxic. I feel like at that stage, you might as well just drink it. If you're gonna put it's very toxic, toxic. You can, you'll die. Yeah, but isn't wouldn't the toxin still get absorbed into your mouth? I, you would think so, but maybe it has to like be in your stomach or something. How does she know so much about algae? I, well, I, I think it's pretty well known. Like, don't drink from that river. Okay. Apparently, a dog died. I don't know. Okay. So it is dangerous for animals. Yes, dangerous for everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So she's hanging out in her hammock by this river while search parties are sent out to look for her. And her daughter actually leaves school and goes back home to look for her mother. How old's her daughter? Did you say? I think she's in university. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So she's not like a young kid out there. No, no, no. She's like <laughs> she's like a proper screw woman. elementary school. I'm gonna go find my mama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she's like I'm pretty sure she's like a 
a teenager probably okay. or a young, so is young she, adult. So is Holly, is she far off like a main path or is she, I, is she far she, away from things? I don't things? think she's super far, but it's a huge park, you know? It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, I guess. It's a big park. It's not as big as some of them, I don't think. Oh, really? I don't it's not know. As big. Well, it's a decent-sized park. Yeah. Um, but apparently she stays in one place, which is, you know, I think what you're supposed to do. That is, if you're lost, you're usually supposed to stay, unless you know where you're going, you should stay in the same place and just wander. Mm. So apparently at one point, Holly even saw a searcher looking for her, but she was too weak to call out to the searcher. That sounds like bullshit. Okay. I mean... That well, just let's just assume it's true, right? Okay. How frustrating would it be to see somebody who's looking for you? They're probably calling your name. They're you know that they could rescue you, and you can't get the words out to get their attention. What you can't even just go like, hey. Well, maybe they're too far away to hear. You that. could bang something. Not, yeah, but if you can't lift yourself. Should have a whistle so. always on you. We always should have a whistle. That's why we always travel with whistles. Always. We don't, but we, we never, will now. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna travel with a whistle now. So after 12 days lost in the wilderness, Holly is found by a park visitor and is able to walk out of the park with minimal assistance. Okay. okay so she can walk fine. Yeah. So at the hospital, she's diagnosed with a concussion, foot injuries, famine, and dehydration. How would she still have a concussion? I don't know. How long do concussion? Maybe it was like, oh, you previously had a concussion. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, she's now checked herself into a mental wellness center. Okay. Okay. So that's her story, and she's sticking to it. She's sticking to it. Okay. So why the controversy? Why the conspiracies? Ah, so Controversy oh, or conspiracy or both? Both. Okay. A lot of people think this was a hoax. Not, not a hoax, but a... Like staged? A staged plan. Mm, so okay. I could see that there was a GoFundMe. I mean, page. I know many of the details, but I'm just like I could see that. <laughs> Let me talk you through it. I mean, people love a good conspiracy. I personally, I don't want to say that it was because I think that if it, it, like, I'd like to err on the side of caution, you know. And if this did happen to this family, like this woman and their family, then I feel horrible for them, and I don't want to like make it seem like they're liars, right? Yes. So apparently, one of the big sources of the controversy was that there was a GoFundMe page set up by Holly's sister. Mm, okay. Uh, it was up for a few days. I think it was before she was found. And it was basically like, help us find our my sister. Like, And when she comes out, she'll need like you know medical bills and, and stuff like that. And it raised $12,000. Okay. It's not that much money. It's not a ton of money. But people, some people think that this was all staged just to put up a GoFundMe and try to make some money. How much was the original GoFundMe? Like, how much were they asking for? Um, I don't know that, actually. That's can a good find, question. Can we find the GoFundMe page? Oh, is, yeah. Is it gone? What's her name? Holly um, Holly Courtier. Courtier. Yeah. Okay, because that's go, a... Go GoFundMe. Like, if they set it up for, um, you know, like $5,000, they're like, hey, we just need like a little bit of help. And they, you know, they raised it and extra money. They'd be like, okay, like, that's not too bad. Mm. But if they were like, we need $50,000 and they Very tried to true. get it... Then that's a bit different. Okay, it does say that they raised eleven thousand eight hundred and sixty, and they're no longer accepting donations. And I guess it doesn't tell us how much they originally asked for. Do you have to put a thing that you asked for an amount, I or can you just be like, so. "I just 
Give me some money. <laughs> I think you have to put an amount and then you choose like a flexi plan, like whether you get it all or not. You know what I mean? Like mm, it's an all or nothing thing. True, true. I mean, it's possible she put like $3,000 and then they raise way more. That's true. So that happens. So, but some people. I feel like, but I feel like that, what I'm saying is, I feel like that would be the determining factor. You could put up, say, 3000 and then maybe, you know, because sometimes mm-hmm. those things go viral and heaps of people donate way over. But I feel like if they were like, we need $50,000 then that would be a sign that it's like, well, oh, that's a lot of money that you're going to try and get, you mm-hmm. know? Yes, right, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. But people do think that it was a hoax and that they're basically scammers trying to get money. Mm. And some people are saying that they should give the money back. And the family has now come out and said, look, this is not a scam, but if you want your money back, we're happy to refund you. Just, you know, contact us. So they will give money back if hmm, somebody okay. is, is – I think it's just – I don't think it's people who donated who are getting up in arms about this. I think it's just like people on Reddit who have nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean that's usually how things go. Right. People always want to try and poke holes at something. Mm-hmm. And then – okay, so then the other part of it is that after she was found, a sheriff's surgeon – Surgeon? Sergeant? Sergeant. Surgeon. <laughs> Sheriff's I mean, he could surgeon. also be a surgeon. Yeah, and a surgeon, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a surgeon who's specifically employed to help sheriffs. If you are anybody else, he cannot do any, perform any surgeries. He's strictly a, a sheriff's surgeon. That is correct. Mm. That is a fact. So we'll move forward with that. So basically, he told the news that if she had actually been drinking that toxic water for 12 days, she would have been dead. She It would have killed her. But surely she drank no water for 12 12 days she would have died so that's the thing is people are saying apparently she fasted for two days before the event happened so she would have been even more dehydrated and then she didn't eat or drink for over 12 days when she was missing apparently she lost about 18 pounds and her sister's basically saying that it's a miracle she's alive yeah, I mean, 18 pounds, like, that's quite a lot of weight to lose in 12 days. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that could be water weight. And I, I find it hard to believe that she could survive out in the desert, basically, mm-hmm. for 12 days. Because they say in de- you die first of dehydration. Without food, she could have done it. Right. Could have been starving. Right. She would have done it. But no water for 12 days. Don't they say you die after, like, five days? I, yeah, I thought you die after, like, a week of no water. Plus, the other thing is that she was able to walk out on her own. And a lot of people are saying that's suspicious because she, if she was that dehydrated, she would have to be carried out in a stretcher. 100%. I mean, if she was so dehydrated, she was so weak that she couldn't even call out to a rescuer earlier on, mm-hmm. how would she be able to walk out later on? I don't know. Like Apparently that- she would take like, you know, walk a, a few feet and then have to stop and walk a few feet. So it wasn't like a great, it was like, do do do. She wasn't running to the finish line. <laughs> She's like, woo, I've got this. No, she needed like, you know, assistance and stuff. But apparently she was walking yeah. by herself. And on the day she was found, apparently it was uh, the last day that the search efforts were going to continue. The rangers were going to be winding them down. Wow. So they were like, she's probably like not going to make it. Well, they said the chances of finding her alive were getting very slim. So they were like, we're going to cancel this. <laughs> mm. It's canceled. Yeah. So, yeah. Isn't that a crazy that story? That is a crazy story. And, yeah, I think that you've made a good call not making a judgment on it. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's too much variance, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to know, like, what the actual truth is. But it does, it does lead you to think that it could be a little suspect. Well, the authorities in Utah are investigating it, so I'm sure they'll do a better job than the Internet sleuths about yes. finding and, out what happened. Yes, and us who just read headlines. <laughs> yes, exactly. I do think that maybe because she was a faster, 
her previously. Like maybe she was mm. like had kind of trained for this moment, you know. It's and possible. So maybe she actually could survive. Yeah, maybe. Okay, we will keep you posted. We'll keep you posted, guys. We'll keep you posted. But now it is for now. We've got to keep mm-hmm. moving because we don't have any other clues. We've got nothing. <laughs> we've got nothing to That's provide you apart from the next story, which is a Voyager chat that is comes in today from a Voyager called Laura Baker, and she got in contact with us over Instagram, and she submitted it via the website at notsobombayars.com/slash/submit. And her story today is called "Stranded at Sea." Woo! Shout out, Laura. Yeah, she actually has two stories uh, that she submitted, so she gets mm. bonus points. But I'm just going to read one today. This story goes back to 2012 when Laura and her husband took off on a trip to Panama. Mm. Laura is a high school teacher, so she wanted to take advantage of her March break and do something adventurous. Mm. And one of the highlights of their trip to Panama was going to be a four-day, three-night trip to the San Blas Islands. Oh, dream. Yes. Now, the San Blas Islands are those super picturesque islands off the coast of Panama. They can be a little touristy, but the idea of the trip was to get off the grid and embark on a bit more of a rustic camping trip, as Mm. she called it. Now, you might remember we talked about the San Blas Islands back in episode 26 when our friend Claudia talked about her unfortunate seasick experience, which was a very hilarious episode, <laughs> talking about getting seasick and like peeing through the hole of a boat. Oof. And it was a very it was a very rough trip. Oh, and that would be me on that trip. I'd be so seasick. Yes. And we also talked about your uh, getting, getting held up at gunpoint in mm, Panama. So oh, that's yeah. episode 26 if you want to check it that's out. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good episode. Um, so Laura and her husband were super stoked for the trip. It was ran by a Canadian guy who had married an indigenous Kunayala woman from the island, from the San Blas Islands. And so it was it had like this guy had access and knowledge to the ins and outs of the islands. So I think it was touted as one of those trips that was a bit more authentic. Um, it was going to be two days of camping and snorkeling around these stunning remote islands. Mm-hmm. And then they'd hit up one of those super local villages on the islands and get like a real authentic sandblast experience that wasn't those very manufactured tours, you know? That sounds so, freaking awesome. Yeah. So it was like staying in a local village, learning about local traditions, all that jazz. So it was more than just come to the islands, snorkel, get drunk. Get drunk. So it was going to be like more rustic, right? Mm-hmm. So Laura says straight off the bat, Things on this trip weren't looking good. For her and the two other couples that were on the trip, there was an Aussie couple and a South African couple. So there were six of them. First of all, the weather was crap, mm-hmm. right? But they made it over to the local island to meet their guide. The first thing that Laura notices, though, about her guide, in her words, is that he's stoned as fuck. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so he's taken island life to a whole new level and he's just like, <laughs> he's really kicking back and just like, she's like, this guy's been smoking doobies with his brothers. So tiny baby. That's it. So he was supposed to be taking them over. So they went to one island. That was the local island that they were going to spend the last night on, the authentic island. But they were going to start the trip with the guide by going to these two other islands snorkel around, do all that sort of stuff before returning back to that island. But the weather on that first day wasn't looking good. So they're like, all right, let's switch up the trip a bit. Let's stay here for the first night and hopefully we'll try again tomorrow. Mm. So they slept in the local village that night. You know, nothing too bad, all good. And the next morning the rain had cleared up a bit, but the winds were still pretty high and the weather was not great. Mm. But the tour guide, he decides... Fuck it. Let's go for it. (laughs) So the group's excited, but they're a bit apprehensive because it's going to be a two-hour boat trip crossing the reef into open water, and they're on a small 20-foot boat that had no covering on it. Oh, nightmare. Yeah. But they want to get on the tour, so they're like, all right, let's just do it. Let's get it done. They're pumped to hit this tropical paradise. They've got ideas about sleeping under the stars, eating fresh lobster, snorkeling these beautiful crystal clear waters with white sand beaches, and they're like, let's just go for it, okay? Mm. So they load everything onto the boat. They strap it down with a tarp, and they think, let's get on with it. The six tourists, 
So the three couples, the guide, and then another local guy who's going to man the vessel. I don't know if he's the captain or I don't even know if it has a, if you call it a captain, if it's a boat that small. Mm, I mean, every boat has to have the, the captain, right? Yeah. I'm the captain now. He's a captain now. <laughs> so in order to get to the island, it was a two-hour trip. They had to cross open water. But first they had to cross a reef, mm. okay, which on a rough, windy day had waves breaking across it. So mm. it took them a little bit of time to find a break in the waves, but eventually they got past the reef and into open water. Success. Yay. They were on their way to this beautiful tropical island. Woo. Or at least Laura thought before the motor of the boat starts coughing and spluttering oh, no. and eventually cuts out. What? Oh, uh, shit. All right. So all good. You know, these guys, they know the boat. They've done these tours they before. They know the boat. <laughs> Surely they know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've probably had this before. Sure. They pull the motor out uh, and they realize it's just a few pieces of seaweed stuck in the motor. Oh, okay. That sounds fixable. Yeah. So they clear it out, restart the engine, off they go. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. It's as easy as that. Love it. So then, then that's love, it. That's, love, that's, that's the, the end story? of the story. Oh, I love it. That's <laughs> a happy story. Yeah. A dang seaweed. So a few minutes later, engine cuts out again. A few minutes later? Jeez. Yes. <laughs> they try again, same result. Oh, no. So once again, they try to fix the engine. And she says, basically, they tried a couple of times, has the same result. It starts for a little bit and then it cuts out. And then eventually, it's just dead. Is there anything more disheartening than an engine not working? <laughs> like, I don't care if it's a car or a boat. I mean, boats obviously are scarier if you're in open water. But like, you know, if you've got a motorbike or a car and it won't start and it's like... such an annoying sound. Yeah. So Laura's thinking, great. But hey, this guy is an experienced guide, surely. He'll have some kind of radio equipment to call it in. Maybe he'll have a flare that he can put up in the air for help. Or at least, at a very minimum, he'll have a couple of oars so they could manually <laughs> paddle their way back to safety. How big is this boat? 20 foot. 20 foot. So it's not very foot. big. Okay. That is pretty small. Yeah. So that's like uh, seven, six, seven meters mm. for people, for our metric mm-hmm. friends. So it's not a very big boat. Mm-hmm. And it's got uh, eight people on it and then all their bags and food and water and things like that. Okay. So it, they could oar it. If they had oars. If they had oars. Yeah. Well, you haven't told me what they have yet. Okay. Oh, I didn't get that part. <laughs> nope, not a thing. <laughs> no? They, they don't, have, they don't sorry, have a radio? L- let me correct you. So no radio. <gasps> what? That is so irresponsible. No, no. No flares. No, no, no. They're in the middle of the water, so there's no mm-hmm. cell service. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And they have no oars. Or they have... One or I should say. What? That, I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm pissed for them. That's so irresponsible. You leave without a radio and flares and an oars? You have one oar? Yeah. What? What kind of operation is this? What's he running? So the only thing that Laura and the rest of the people in the group get as reassurance from the guide is that, hey, we have enough food, water, and smokes for at least three days. Oh and this God. is a pretty popular crossing. So eventually someone should cross our paths and be able to help out. Should? What happens after three days? They start eating each they other? They start to find the weakest link. My <laughs> God. The fattest person to <laughs> feast on. Porky pie. So pretty much, she says, the guide is basically no help. So he's just like, hmm, okay, well, yep, yeah, cool. Motor's out. Uh, well, we got food and drink for now. So uh, let's just Get wait wasted. around. So about an hour in, they just, I guess, they, I don't know if they're floating or if they've got an anchor Whatever. But they're about an hour in and Laura I says... I doubt they have an anchor. They don't really have anything yeah, else Yeah, they've got nothing boat. else going on. So about an hour in, Laura says uh, to the captain, she's like, well, i got to pee. Mm. And the guide tells her that she's got two options. She could put a life vest on and jump out into the water oh, to pee. no. 
or she could hang off the back of the boat on the ladder to make a pee. And so I think they decided at the risk of uh, not wanting to float away, they, yes. she took the ladder. What would they do if you floated away? They, these people have no contingency. Plan. They have no. They have nothing. <laughs> so she was like, uh, I think I'll just probably hang off the back of the ladder and you know we'll, we'll work it out from there. So she does that and the rest of the group also uh, choose the ladder and she says that it's quite the bonding experience between the other guests. <laughs> there's no um, hole in the boat? Like there's Claudia's no hole in the story. boat, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you know they work out the pee situation, but they're all at this stage they're kind of getting a bit restless, right? So they're like, we've got to work this out. We've mm. got to find out what's going on. There's mm. the the inaction from the guide, you know, is, is frustrating. So they're like, hey, how can we save ourselves? So Laura's husband says has the so they they all start brainstorming. Like, all right, what can we do? What can we do? And Laura says her husband has the idea of using the big tarp that was holding their all their stuff down to use it as a sail. Oh. Yeah, that's a good that's genius idea. Very smart. So two people at the front of the boat take they take in turns holding it. So one person on one side, one on the other, and they basically just like hold it out and they hold onto the sail and they use it as a wind sail. What? That's and, awesome. And then the helper, the guy who's like the captain, he uses the one oar they have. So that's Oh my came in, god, okay. Came in handy. He <laughs> uses the oar as a rudder. Oh, I love it. And to their surprise, after about 45 minutes, they say that they end up landing on a small island. What? Are you kidding in me? The this is some castaway shit. I know. This is crazy. Damn. Okay. So th- when they got to this tiny island, they said there was like nothing except one family that lived on this island. What? Right? Dude, they must have been, that family must have been really startled to see this random group come yeah. up. Yeah. So they said that it was just enough cell service on the island for the guide to call up a buddy. Thank oh wait, God. no, maybe this is a different island. Sorry, this is a small island. Okay. Okay. But there was there was just enough cell service to call um a buddy and to get a replacement boat on the way. All right. Mm, okay. So sorted. Hopefully that replacement boat has a radio and some flares <laughs> and two oars. <laughs> <laughs> so they think like they're sorted. Hey, just a small hiccup, you know, let's continue on the trip. I mean, small hiccup. They had to make a sale and sale uh, makeshift for forty five minutes, but sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they uh, they stay at the island that night. Okay, there's there's a small hostel there or something like that, and they think to themselves, well, you know, surely that could be the worst of the trip. Like, let's uh, let's go on with it. They they're all still pretty pumped. Like, I guess they were taking it in good spirit, and they're like, we're pretty pumped to you know to still do this snorkeling trip, and we want to explore the island. So mm-hmm. you know, let's continue on with it. So the next day, they take off uh, for a day snorkeling and exploring. Mm-hmm. So they have a great time. And then during lunch, they stop off at a very small island uh, that has, a, I guess, some kind of restaurant on the beach. It's probably like just one of those islands where a family cooks your food. Mm-hmm. Love it. Those are the best. Yeah. And the I'd guy, give it anything to be on one of those right oh, now. <laughs> seriously. And they say, she says that the guide, he, instead of like to ground the boat to like anchor it, mm-hmm. he just sticks a bamboo stake oh, no. into the ground, Bro. ties the boat off to it and leaves it at that. So he doesn't tie it to a tree or to a post or anything stable. He just stakes it in the ground, ties off the boat, and off they go to eat lunch. Oh, boy. So the the group are eating lunch and the guide and the helper are nowhere to be found. And they look up, somebody looks up and they look and they see that the stake has been pulled out of the sand. <gasps> Because remember that the the weather is not great, so it's a bit rough. So the seas are a bit rough. Oh, my God. The, the stake's being pulled out, and the boat is now starting to drift out to sea. Oh, my God. Has this man ever done this trip before? Or <laughs> I don't what? know. Where did he come from? Where did he get his 
guide license from. I, he probably does not have a license he probably of does any not. sort. <laughs> so they start screaming out uh, to try to find the guy. They're like, you know, hey, 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 the boat is uh, fucking off, right? Oh, my God. So he comes out of nowhere and he sends his helper. So he's like, go, like, tells him, like, go and get the boat. Try and swim after it. So this guy goes out and tries to swim and try to bring the boat back. But he's pretty unsuccessful in, you know, doing that. And so he's like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. The island that they were on was so small that it only had one family on it and there was no boat. Oh, my right? so God. No boat. Wait, how does the family get around? Oh, they I don't, don't know. They, like, they get other. Stay they, the they stay on the island forever. Or maybe there's <laughs> like boat taxis. But they don't have a boat. Wow. So they can't take a boat out to get this boat that's oh floating my away. Oh, God. But they said that there was another small one. Because remember, the Sandblast Islands are like a series of islands. Yeah. Right? They said that there was another island about 100 yards away from where they were that had a boat across water. Wow. So the local helper who was an indigenous guy to the islands and he knew all the island tricks and, you know, he grabs a conch shell. Now, you, oh you know what a God. conch shell yes, is, yeah? Yes, yes, of course. So a conch shell, for people who don't know, it's like a big – they're like those beautiful shells that you see from the Caribbean. They're kind of like the size of a football and they got like spikes and they're – they're beautiful. I don't know. You just we'll have to put a picture up. Look it up. <laughs> look they're it up. really pretty. They're really pretty shells. They're they're the shells that you see in like the cartoons that people would like call yeah. like if they're like like Moana. Or something. Yes, exactly. So he grabs the conch shell and does exactly that. He starts trumpeting an SOS call through it. That is freaking awesome, right? And how fucking crazy is this? The local guy from the island across hears the call. <laughs> he looks across the island. <laughs> He sees them yelling and pointing and shouting and pointing at the boat that's drifting away. He jumps in his boat, <laughs> rides over to the boat, touches it, and brings it back. That is awesome. Is that not the most badass thing that ever? That is so island You can just see this it. island guy grab this horn and just go, <laughs> and then the guy's like, I hear trouble. I hear trouble in the distance. And he runs and goes and gets his boat and picks it up. Isn't that fucking insane? That's so rad. And so they get the boat back and then they carry on with the tour. And Laura says that for the rest of the trip, uh, it was fairly uneventful in comparison. Oh, my God. Yeah, I bet. And uh, they had a great time. Wow. That's hysterical. <laughs> and she says that the other cu- um, she said the other couples on the trip were awesome and they all got along very like great. So it was like That's quite good. the adventure that they get to uh, experience together. And as always, it made a great travel story. Excellent travel story. Yes. There's so many elements to that story. I know. And she finished the story by saying, which I think is a great line. I feel like this is like the attitude, like the, the tagline that you need for the podcast. It's mm-hmm. like, if you have booze, food, and good company, you can survive anything. Very true. Very true. Or at least three days of anything. <laughs> yeah. So I want to thank uh, Laura for sending in that story. Uh, there's some photos that she posted from the trip as well that she sent across to me that I'll put up on the show notes for this week. And yeah, thank you for submitting that to uh, the podcast. We really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's a really good one. Thank you, Laura. I love that story. Yeah. Wow. There's so many parts of that story that could have just been like one story and then it's like, and then this happened and then this happened. I wonder if that Canadian guy is still giving tours. I wonder if we can find out. Yeah, maybe I'll ask her what the name of the tour company was and see if we can find some reviews. That would be funny to do bad reviews. Bad reviews. (laughs) It's like, well, first the boat stopped and then we had to rescue ourselves and then we had to rescue the boat again. And (laughs) That's hilarious. But what a a funny experience as well. Fun experience, great story. It all works out in the end. Like nothing too dangerous. A little probably stressful when you're – I can imagine when the the engine stops – 
and you're strand like in the middle of the sea, that could be a little bit scary. And the person doing the tour doesn't really give a shit. Yeah, that could be scary. But I love that they made a sail and got themselves ashore. That's so cool. Very intuitive. That's freaking awesome. What yeah. a great story. So Thank you, a, Laura. So for anybody that is ever stranded on a boat, uh, you know that that works. Yeah, make a sail or grab a conch shell. Yes. And now uh, start. start Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, I think that is it for the episode today, episode 63, unless you've got anything to add, Christine. Mm. No, I don't. I think we should wrap it up. We should wrap it up. Okay, we will be. This will be going live on Wednesday, if you're hearing it then. Uh, but we will be earlier next week because we have a couple of interviews coming up that we're gonna we're gonna share with you. Mm. It's gonna be good fun. Yes, we are. Yes. Okay, guys. Remember, if you want to get your story read on the Not So Bonvoyage podcast, if you've got a travel tale where shit just did not go right, you can hit us up on Instagram at Not So Bonvoyage or Christine. Where do they go? Uh, you can go to uh, com slash submit. And there is a form there where you can fill out the details. Laura's, that's how Laura did it. She's got another story there. And we've got a few more sitting there ready to go. I can't wait can't to read her other wait story. wait to tell them. Yeah, I think it's another one about the Caribbean. Love it. All right, fantastic. Caribbean. That's it. All right, guys, until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. Remember to stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye. Bye. Bye.